This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's good to have you all here. It's 2019, and this is the very first interview of Dojo Live, connecting experts like you. So welcome to the year. And of course, as ever, we got my fellow teammate, Yusofian Tulio Sirujuza over there, way over there in LA. This is Carlos in Mexico City. Tulio, welcome to 2019. Everything that's going to bring us, right? Yeah, well, uh, a, a warm, happy 2019 for sure. Indeed, indeed. Well, I wish it were warm here, but it's cold. And last but not least, we got our first guest of the year, Mr. Ben Block. He is the founder and CEO of goesaround.com, which is a platform for giving back. So I'm looking forward to hearing what Ben has to say about his platform. And of course, Ben, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure and an honor to have you here as our first guest of the year. Thanks, Carlos. Happy to be here. But you're not allowed to complain about it being cold from Mexico City while I sit in Canada. <laughs> well, I, I, I was there. I was there in a March, and uh, it was cold. Indeed. Yeah, we've yeah. got NAFTA on today. Exactly. We're on. Okay. Okay. Well, Ben, um, welcome to the show. And um, usually I start by just asking you a couple of questions. Just tell us about you. Uh, tell us about a little bit about you, your history, your story, your background, and then of course tell us about goes around. Sure. Um, well, myself, I'm uh, like I said, I'm here in Edmonton, Canada. I'm a uh, entrepreneur by nature and a, a lawyer by training, and uh, I've been practicing. Or I've had a number of businesses since probably my very first business when I was eight years old. I set up a bookstore on the uh, sidewalk, and I've had a whole bunch of different undertakings along the way. And I won a student entrepreneurship award as I made my way along, but uh, uh, while I was in law school, I started a print and design company and started getting into web design and development, uh, which was sort of my first taste of the uh, internet business. But as I finished law school, I realized there's no real way I was going to be able to still run that business. We had eight employees at that time, but, uh, but it still needed a lot of my attention and I had to make a decision. So I sold that company. Uh, and started my legal career, but didn't take very long for my entrepreneur itch to come up again. And I uh, was looking for opportunities and was luckily working at a very supportive firm at the time when I had this idea for Goes Around that really just sort of is a combination of my desire to help and do things that matter that I think a lot of people have. Um, and my excitement and passion for business and also the power that the internet has to connect, I think, and create real world uh, positive results. And it's kind of this intersection of a whole bunch of things that matter to me. So that's uh, what brought me to Goes Around. Um, Thank you so much, Ben. Uh, uh, and I was I just uh, kept silent for a second because I couldn't help but thinking or remembering the what goes around comes around. So I assume that there's something behind this idea, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. That's where the name came from. Is uh -huh. like, I remember sitting on the couch in my house thinking about this idea and what can we call it? And, and that's exactly right. And it really sort of strikes to the, the spirit of the site is uh, what you put out is what you get back. And, uh, and I sort of on a fundamental level believe that 
people want those opportunities and want to do things. And I know I can think of instances in my own life that can seem really small, but they're really powerful. Like you remember distinctly what it feels like to do something for someone for no other reason than because you could. And, uh, and I think that we have this kind of interesting spot in the history of, you know, humankind that we have like access to every kind of information instantly at our fingertips and this like ever sort of present desire to do things that feel good and matter and help and so on. But for some reason, I don't think those two have fully connected yet that uh, technology hasn't as not fully sort of facilitated uh, our desire to do good things with personalized opportunities to do that and ways that actually work for us and that we want to do and can do and and we kind of have this like information overload at the same time that that we get asked and we hear about problems and we turn on netflix and there's like an unlimited number of documentaries that tell us about all these horrible things going on in the world and they make us hurt and they make us feel powerless sometimes or we turn on the news and i hear people say i don't even watch the news it's too depressing well that's depressing itself um and i think we should better connect people not with just problems that I can't do anything about but but things that I can't like I say can do want to do I'm capable of doing and that's really what goes around is all about and when people do that I think when you put that positive karma out there it will come back excellent thank you so much for elaborating on that a little bit now um, before I pass on the mic to uh, to my teammate Tulio that was about I'd like to ask you about your chosen topic of the day, which is, let's see, um, today, the, your chosen topic is using tech to grow by doing good. Now, how to un unlock the ROI of social contribution through better measurement and management of those actions. Uh, so tell us about that. Why did you choose this particular topic? And, and what, what do you want to say to us about this? Well, it sort of builds on what I was just talking about, is that mm -hmm. I think all of those personal traits we see in business more than ever, um, social contribution, uh, you know, social branding, um, cause marketing, this sorts of things are just growing all the time, um, driven by market forces like consumer price tolerances and employee preferences, that kind of thing, um, are pushing businesses to want to do this kind of stuff and really, frankly, have to do this kind of stuff. Uh, but especially in mid and smaller sized companies, they don't necessarily bridge the gap between the action, the contribution, and the, the awareness, uh, and out of that comes the ROI that I was talking about. So I think there's a really big opportunity in that for mid and smaller companies to sort of better capitalize on the good stuff they might already be doing. Uh, and that's what I hope to talk about. Cool, Ben. Um, Excellent. I find it always super useful to ask about the business model, because that really spells out what the company is focused on. Can you give us a little bit of a, of a flavor of the business model? Is this a for-profit, non-profit? How do you how do you make money at this? And and can you give us a little background on your targeted customers? Uh, a little bit around that, if you could. Yeah, sure. Uh, that's probably one of our most common questions. Like people are like, "Oh, cool, nice idea, Ben. How do you make any money on people doing good stuff?" Um, so yeah, there's a huge free component to what we're doing. Obviously we don't charge individuals anything to be involved. 
We have a big uh, feature set for charities, uh, uh, um, a CRM, volunteer recruitment and recognition, a whole bunch of tools that's totally free for them as well. That's our way of giving back. Uh, but how do we actually make money uh, is essentially a SaaS model to businesses. Um, it's priced according to the size of the company. And we provide companies with tools to better manage employee volunteerism, uh, encourage that, promote that, manage it. Uh, uh, donations, grant making, for example, a lot of companies get hit up for donations or sponsorships all the time. We have tools for them to better uh, receive those, to vet them, to decide what they're going to support and make those decisions in more of a data-driven way rather than a, yeah, sure, I guess you asked me at a good time sort of way. Um, and, uh, and then gather sort of reporting data and so on or metrics out of all that kind of activity. So. That suite of, of tools is is priced on a SaaS model to companies. So how are companies managing that today? I know there's companies that have social responsibility initiative, uh, some contribute a percentage of the employee's time that they can go and dedicate to social good causes, uh, including time off, et cetera. I don't, I'm not particularly sure how they're managing that today. What's typical today and, and how is this different? Uh, and how does this solve a problem potentially? Sure, so there's existing software tools that exist in that space to, and you, you're, you hit some of the common programs right on the head. Um, what exists out there is, um, can I say inferior? That's a little braggy, but um, uh, in that it operates in a very siloed way, first of all. It's an internal software tool that the the employee doesn't really have a lot of sense of ownership over, whereas we use a LinkedIn sort of approach that every employee has their own profile and record of what they've contributed, that if they leave the company, they don't lose it. Um, and why, why does the company care? Well, they ultimately want the employees to participate and giving them some sense of ownership over their contributions, I think, endows them with that. Um, and then an incoming employee kind of brings with them their own history and so on. So uh, that's a bit of a unique model for us. And through that, we believe there's efficiencies to connect more directly with charities. We, again, we have, I think, about 500 charities or so right now using the platform to engage or share their needs. And sort of this network cross-pollination of information and, and so on is really unique. Um, and of course, uh, it's a quantum leap over the either zero management that a lot of midsize or smaller companies have. Like these software products I've referenced are typically used by really large businesses, like thousands or tens of thousands of employees. What does a 200 person or a 500 or even 1,000 person company have? Sometimes the answer is nothing. Uh, sometimes the answer is a spreadsheet or a PDF or an email chain or something like that. And so it's uh, where we really have a sweet spot is to help companies that first understand the need for the program, maybe have the program like you mentioned, Trio, and, uh, uh, but need the tools. They need the platform to, to act like the bigger companies do. I think that's awesome. So you're serving the needs of both, right? The company can organize itself and track how it's contributing or giving back and the employee can take it with them so that they can continue to track how they're performing against maybe a commitment they've made to themselves. I like it. Um, I'm wondering, I'm curious, as I'm listening to you, I started thinking, wow, 
how many companies would actually benefit if you had like a social responsibility score, for example, right? And you showed up an interview and say, here's here's my social responsibility score. Are you seeing more companies uh, keenly interested in employees that also are, are, are people interested in giving back? Is that a, a thing that's happening? Or can you, can you share a little bit about uh, if that's a trend or not? Or is that something that perhaps is a desired thing? Yeah, and that sort of mm, transparency is interesting in both directions, honestly. The employer, I've had a few companies say, boy, it sure would be nice that if this got to a point that instead of at the bottom of a CV, it was three bullets of these are the things I do in the world and I have no idea if they actually do or did a good job or showed up or whatever. If they had a goes around profile link and I could go see what they support and what they've contributed to or feedback they've gotten and so on. They like that from that perspective, you know, and obviously that's a down the road vision, but the other side of it is the business too. How many businesses tell us they care, you know, and, or maybe you're sitting across the interview uh, table and say to the candidate, what, you know, do you have any questions for us? Yeah. What do you guys offer for community programs? Well, this would be a way for the candidate to validate as well. What is that company really socially active or the client or the, you know, whoever it is. And, and out of that transparency, it seems a little scary at first, but I think it's a good thing um, for both both directions, yeah, on an individual level, but also on a business level. Well, I sincerely hope that happens because I think that's a fantastic uh, way to keep both parties uh, accountable to their words, right? Yeah, and I <laughs> it's think one thing one saying, "Yeah, give back." It's another thing to actually have a record of it and showing that you have. And it's a bit of an interesting thing, just to give you some insight into our thought process, is, is people, there's an element of fear in what you just said, is that, oh, crap, what if I don't do enough, you know, and I think one of our jobs, you well, as a society, but also as a goes around as a business, is to say, if you do anything, that's awesome. And so if you have one hour on your profile, or you volunteered at a homeless shelter one time, or you know whatever, that's great. Like that's a place to start, and in aggregate, that's a huge impact that people can have. And I think just making it okay, like it's it's okay to do a little bit because a little bit is more than nothing. And you should share that little bit because it encourages your friend to do a little bit, and that rolls down the line. And you know, big great things happen by a collection of small actions. Like what is that? There's a quote that I will ruin um, to that effect, but that the sum of all of these little actions is much more powerful than people sitting afraid, feeling like I need to change the world myself or I should do nothing. Well, it's an interesting, ob interesting observation because I mean, there's been studies that suggest companies who actively give back and people who actively give back tend to be more successful than those who don't. And it's almost becoming sort of like, you know, if you don't read books, you're doing yourself a disservice. If you're not participating actively in, in doing something outside of yourself or someone else, you're doing yourself a disservice as well. I, I can see, I can, I'm seeing a trend that that's changing. Um, what are you finding as the most, the biggest challenge in terms of adoption? Uh, you mentioned some of the fear in terms of what if I don't do enough? But what else are you seeing out there that, that, that you see as a hurdle that needs to be overcome? Yeah, I think for us, well, there have been a few things. Like, quite frankly, I had to get over the fact that just doing good things isn't necessarily enough to get people to do something new. We're, we're all busy. 
And, uh, and what we've had to ask ourselves is how do we allow people to engage with the things that they already care about or they already want to support? So we're not perceived as, you know, you have to, well, before, before you, or after you get home from work, you pick your kid up, you make dinner, you cut all this. Oh, and by the way, you got to go volunteer now too. Uh, I, we need to, what we're working towards is helping yeah. people say, this is a place to go, whether it's just to get informed about the things you care about. We've started to integrate cause-based news. Um, so you tell me I care about education, homelessness, and animals. Well, in the same newsfeed, and this actually isn't even live yet, uh, you're going to see volunteer opportunities, fundraising opportunities, the stuff we're already doing, but also just news about the causes you care about. Uh, for you to stay connected to those and um, and then ideally start to ask people okay well record things or capture things that you're volunteering already you volunteer your kids school well, let's record that and capture that let's invite your school to participate for free so they can communicate their needs to the parents through goes around in an efficient sort of intelligent targeted way and basically slowly putting our minds to how do we reduce the the barriers to people engaging with this and give people the opportunity to participate from their couch if we can, or and when their schedule opens, then get out and do something. That's kind of a bit of a long answer, but sort of basically tapping into where, how do people want to give back, and how do we facilitate that in the best possible way in a tech in a tech environment? Yeah, that's great. I, I've been with uh, a few non uh, nonprofits, both as a volunteer and also as a board member. And I got to tell you, the the volunteer management. Uh, it's, it's a big task. It's uh, obviously, you know, it's a big challenge and this would have been super useful to have it. Um, before we go to ask the audience for some questions, I, I want to understand if you could explain to the audience, um, how does, how does this get set up? Right? So, um, if I'm an individual, how do I sign up? If I'm a business, how do I sign up? How does the actual platform work? In, right. in connecting interests and so on and so forth. Sure, from an individual perspective, it's no more difficult than signing up for Facebook or LinkedIn. Basically, you just go, click sign up, create a profile for free, um, give us a little bit of information about what sorts of causes you're passionate about, what sorts of needs you like to contribute with. Like, I care about the environment and I like to do physical tasks because I want to get some exercise. Okay, and, uh, and I'm in LA. So then we will push to you opportunities that suit that criteria and not things that don't. I'm going to that idea of let's not create noise on opportunities or needs that don't suit and ask people to do things that do. Um, from a business perspective, uh, we're a little bit more hands-on with that. We'll, you'll, you can sign up and create your profile, but in reality, our experience is most companies want some help getting going. Uh, so we create the profile, set up any programs that may already exist, like you referenced to your uh, hours off to volunteer, or some companies will do a grant. If you volunteer 40 hours, we'll give 400 bucks to whatever you want, um, these types of things. So we'll help configure all of that and uh, and uh, sort of hold your hand while we set this thing off on the best possible foot. So, and then there's a third part to this, right? I mean, there's the charities themselves, the organization. Do you extend the platform to them as well how do they integrate this with their own volunteer systems is that something that's in your roadmap as well 
Yeah, and Aisha, I'm glad you brought that up. So yes, the third user type is charities, and those two. If you if we have any nonprofits watching right now, you can just go and sign up again for free. And uh, if you have a, a EIN charity charity number in the states, you can you can even accept donations through the platform. That's not even available in Canada where I am yet, but it is in the U.S. Um, and it's all all free. Set up your profile. You can start posting within a few minutes of what needs you may have. Uh, we'll push those out to again suitable or or targeted volunteers in the area. Or sometimes it's even volunteer from home. It's a remote opportunity. We'll push that live. Uh, as we get responses, again, it's all free. Use the platform to accept those, communicate with the volunteers, even schedule them if you like. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of tools that are there. Again, free. You can sign up right now. Great. Please, they need to go do that. As someone who's participated in that, that's definitely a need. Carlos, want to open this up to some questions? Yes, actually, I have a question, uh, Ben. Um, in I was, you know, given the nature of your endeavor, you know, it, I think it uh, takes a, it, whoever gets engaged and, and goes around uh, in terms of being part of the team, I think that uh, besides being a tech enthusiast, I think there, there needs to be, or there should be, from my standpoint, some kind of uh, connection to the mission of the company, okay? So in that sense, my question to you would be, um, how can I put this up? Uh, how do you go about, you know, finding good people, you know, the ideal people to, to work with you to build not just a great product, but also to great, to build a great uh, a mission, a great, uh, uh, you know, everything that you can bring to society. So you need to align people to your mission. How do you go about matching the two, the two traits, you know, technology and, and the vision? Is that difficult to accomplish? For us as a team, do you mean? Yes. Yeah. Um, I've been pretty lucky in that way, quite honestly. Uh, the fate or the universe or whatever has brought, uh, brought good people along. And one of the advantages of a sort of socially, uh, uh, social enterprise or uh, a social tech idea like ours is people want to be a part of it. Um, if, uh, if there's an opportunity and I, it's just been very interesting. I alluded to it in some of the notes I sent you before the show of the stepping stones. Again, I'm really good at remembering partial quotes, but there's a uh, Steve Jobs quote about like this, the stepping stones of your life make sense when you look back on them. Um, and that's very true for this. And I've been lucky enough just in my travels to meet people that become part of our team. Like, um, uh, in New York, like one of our mentors is that I met at that pitch competition and took like more interest in us than he should. And when I went to New York, I met both uh, a writer who would feature us in Forbes and a, an accountant who just loves this so much. He became a salesperson for us just because he wants it to spread. And uh, one of our angel investors is a judge and met our UI designer in a coffee shop in Vancouver and she just loved it. You know, like I've just been lucky in that way. And you can sense pretty quickly if somebody gets it and it resonates with them and they believe it's, agree this is an important and, and potentially powerful idea, they can, they get on board with it. Thank you so much, Ben. Uh, and that's, 
we uh, Tulio, we are a few minutes away from wrapping up. Uh, time, usually, time goes by really fast. So um, I'd like to pass on the mic back to you for wrapping up, and then uh, for final just, questions, if any. Yeah, if and anybody course, has any question that's yeah. watching, just go on Twitter on Dojo Live. Oh, oh, of course, of course. And uh, just submit them. We're watching those, and we can we can submit questions to Ben on that as well. Uh, ben, this is uh, look. You're you're a lawyer by trade, and you could have chosen any given career, any given profession. Uh, you you alluded to this a little bit when we first started, but I'm curious as to what gave birth to this for you personally. What's the journey been like? Why this? You know, what was that moment? It's like I want to go do this. I mean, it's a very noble thing you're doing, but I'm curious as to what gave birth to this idea and and why this drives you personally to do it. Yeah, it's it really just came out of my, I think, own experience. Oh, yes, I remember. Like, I've had so many sort of intersections with the idea. Sometimes it's so hard to pinpoint what was the first. But actually, it was when I was working as a lawyer, and I, you know, or at, at the firm I was at at the time, I decided, okay, I used to be a really active volunteer while I was in school, and I did a lot. And that that's easy when you're in university. Uh, there's just so many opportunities in that. But then I was in this busy career and I said, I want to go do something like that again. It's been quite a while. And I couldn't believe how difficult it was. Like, why am I like, as a lawyer, the only product I sell is time. And I'm spending an awful lot of it just trying to figure out how to give it away. Um, and, and so I was going to different charity sites and I was trying to figure this out. And I was like, this is crazy. Like I can go on Airbnb and book uh, an apartment in Mexico City in no time. How is it this hard to find a way to volunteer in my own backyard? And so out of that just kind of came and it sort of jives with this idea and fascination I have that at the same time, there's all this organized volunteering that we're familiar with. But what I also find interesting is that each of us have a unique set of like skills and abilities and network and so on that we readily share with people we know but we would probably also share with people we don't if we knew they needed it and it's like maybe there's a as we speak somebody across the street who needs to move a couch or something and they just there's one of them and they need a second guy at the other end i will happily help them do that but i don't know and uh, and i think this the internet has the ability to do that and mobile mobile devices and so on can create these connections and opportunities to use this capacity that we already have to connect with the needs that are out there. And I was just like, okay, this is it. This has got to be my idea. It really hits what my values, it hits my passions for business. And I just, I want to do something. So if I'm not going to try now, when am I ever going to? So then I did. I think it's interesting. And I'm wondering if this is the case. Do you think that a lot of charities are a little bit behind in the adoption of technology? And I ask this question because, I, you know, on my LinkedIn profile, I listed the things I'm willing to do, volunteer for, and in years, I've never had once anyone reach out and say, hey, we need help. It's almost like they're not using these channels. Are you finding that that's part of the problem? Yeah, and actually, like you asked me before about adoption, on that side of the equation has been a little bit more difficult than I expected because I assume if I take a, a user type like charities that have a need like volunteers and fundraising and give them tools to do that for free, there should be like an avalanche of users and they'll drive everything and off we go. Well, 
I think the desire for techno tech adoption is strong in the charitable sector, but what is is drained is time. And it's really hard just to find the time to adopt a new system or to, to experiment with LinkedIn or you know, or ask them, hey, here's goes around, it's free, you should try it. Well, yeah, but I have so many things to do. I'd like, you know, that kind of thing. And and I think that has been a delaying factor for that sector. It's not as much desire, but you're right, they do lag in some areas and I think it's just a function of capacity and I think I, I hope we can help them with that okay so you're disrupting the status quo obviously and it's a lot of volunteers so their motivation is I mean you already have a way of doing it but it just seems like common sense to we're living in a digital society where leveraging this kind of technology would be really helpful I'm hoping that some nonprofits will listen today or another day and, and realize, wow, we need to get on board with some of these. I will certainly recommend you guys to a few that I know. I think the timing is fantastic. Um, love what you're doing. It's always, we're running out, we're out of time. <laughs> it's always like that. Just when it starts to get interesting, we run out of time. I have one last question for you before we let you go. Um, sure. Doing this kind of startup, with uh, you know this journey, any words of wisdom you have? Anybody sitting on the fence, thinking about becoming an entrepreneur? Uh, any words of wisdom you'd like to share about your journey? And you know, uh, what is it worth doing it? Not worth doing it? Please share with those who might be listening that are on the fence. My temptation is just to say like, go for it. But my advice would be to be aware it is difficult. Um, there's you should google it or email me ben at goesaround.com i will send it to you my wife found it it's this graph and it says the emotional journey of doing anything great and if you can picture a bell curve flipped upside down it starts up at the top with i got an idea and it has these interesting kind of funny hash marks as you slide down saying this is harder than i thought and and then you get to this thing that's all shaded in it says the valley of despair and then you're just like, is this ever going to work? What have I done? My, and like, as for, for me as a lawyer, I think to myself, what is my opportunity cost of this? What am I doing? And then you start to get like glimmers of encouragement. And, and it's funny on this chart, the first line is, well, this still sucks. And it's like, yeah, it's really hard. And then you get there and then the idea is eventually you'll get there. And, and you need to ask yourself, I think, like your idea, I know you'll, you'll research that and you'll figure out if you believe in it, if you think there's a market and all that. But I think what people need to ask themselves is, can they endure that process? Like it is longer and harder than you probably think. And every overnight success story you've ever heard of probably isn't. Um, and so like strap in for that, prepare yourself for that, expect it. And then I think you'll be able to get through it more, more uh, uh, I guess with, with the strength and the endurance you need and the persistence and so on. But, but, be aware that the journey is not an easy one. Don't let that stop you, but know it. <laughs> invaluable, invaluable lessons and wisdom. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thanks for joining us today. Loved it. When it please let people know where they can sign up, and uh, they could also check the, the, the landing page here. It uh, goes around. I'm going to definitely sign up myself. I love the concept and the idea, and I encourage everyone to – to do the same and wish you much success in this endeavor.
Julio, one quick announcement before we go is about next week. We have another a great interview right here on Dojo Live, same day, same time. We're going to be speaking with uh, Jonathan Chow, the founder and CEO of uh, BTOKEN, which is a platform for, and I quote, uh, the future of home sharing. So, yeah, I know it's a different okay. in space, but uh, that's what we're going to be, uh, that's uh, who we're going to be uh, chatting with next week. Uh, Jonathan Chow, CEO of BTOKEN, the future of home sharing. Is this that and, community home uh, guy? Yes, he is the one that. that That's a cool uh, topic. I'm looking exactly. forward to that. Sure. All right. So, well, John, uh, I'm sorry, Ben. Uh, well, the only thing left for me to do is just thank you uh, big time. And um, we're going to be in touch. And I'm going to encourage you to stick around for a minute when we go off the air. And of course, for the audience, again, thank you for having watched this episode of Go Live Connecting Experts Like You. See you next time, next week. Have a great one, everyone. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.